0: Good morning, Victor. That's my favorite part. I'm sorry. Good morning. I wanted to be able to introduce myself to you. I know this is kind of awkward that I've got both a head held and a, are any of these working? Can y'all hear me on this? All right, good. Got a handheld and a head held, but we're rolling this morning. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, who you just saw up here on stage, get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for being here. We are in the middle, or actually towards the end, of a series called My Best Life, where we're talking about community. Friendship, And one of the things we've been doing is this social media challenge, all right? We've been challenging people to post a picture online, different categories. And this is the last one. And so every time somebody wins, we put them into the logo like this right here and be able to promote community. And the last topic was to take a picture of you out in an outdoor activity, all right? So I'm going to show you the winner. Here's the winner right here, and i got a funny story about this. So this is Megan in Dallas, all right, right here. At the fair in Wilson County. Any of y'all been to the fair so far? Anybody? All right. So here's the funny thing about this is Megan and Dallas, I don't know if y'all can tell, but this is Darla and I right here, and these are our girls. And they came to us and they said, listen, we've noticed that every picture that's won so far has had a child in it. And I was like, no, that's not true. And they walked through. Britney's baby throwing up on her, uh, there was a baby at the Mortons, there was a baby with Blake and uh, or at the pitches, I was like, you're right, and so they said, we are literally using you, that's what they said, we're just going to use you and your kids, and look, they won, what are the odds, right, how does that work, so we're going to be able to give them a swag bag, and then let's go ahead and show their picture up on the screen, there we go, alright, real quick, just give a hand for everybody who's participated in this process and community This has been a really good time. If you got your Bibles, would you do me a favor, open to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As you're turning there, this series has been built around community, and it concludes today, and it concludes with you having the opportunity to sign up for small groups. So when you leave today, when you walk out of this auditorium, we're going to have some water baptisms. It's going to be incredible. And when you walk out, you'll have an opportunity. Every small group leader will be out there, be able to answer questions, uh, connect with you a little bit. And you'll have the opportunity to put your name and email down so you can get more information and get connected. Listen, from me and Darla's hearts, we just believe in community. We just believe in it. We believe God's going to use it to be able to impact your life. Your pastors are going to be in a small group because we will never ask you to do something that we don't do. And so we'll be in a small group, being fed, being taught by other people, because I just believe in community. And so we want to tell you, get in a small group. Get connected. You'll see so many different opportunities, from interest groups, to freedom groups, to relational groups. Do yourself a favor. Stop by those tables today. Make a connection. Cool? Cool? So in this series, we've kind of walked through four things. The first message, we talked about the necessity of community. We talked about how God modeled it, how the enemy attacked it. Then we talked about the DNA of community and how it's common people in a common place for a common purpose. And then last week we talked about the role of community and how every one of us have a desire to be needed and to be known. And we have a desire, or I'm sorry, noticed and to be needed. And when we have that desire to be noticed and that desire to be known, we can have that desire met in community. And this morning I want to talk to you about this. Everybody say, the secret of community. This is what I want to talk to you about, the secret of community. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to read, this has kind of been the foundational verse for what we've been talking about. It says, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together. That's it right there, community, life together. You want to do life with people. The common meal we, we discussed was the Mexican restaurant and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles, and all the believers, all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. All the believers. We can't have community without you. So everyone, all, all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned, pulled their resources so that each person's need was met, and they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple followed by meals at home. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And then here's the verse that we're going to talk about today. People in general liked what they saw. People in general liked what they saw. And every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. People in what? General liked what they they saw. So I'm reading that this week, and I had multiple conversations with people, and I'm going to talk specifically about one conversation I had with a friend. And as I'm reading this, here was the question that popped in my head. What did they see? If people in general, and here's what people in general are. That means all ages, all ethnicities. It means both believers and non-believers, right? Because if people were added to the church, that means non-believers. So everybody, people in general. We've got different, everybody in here, you like different kinds of food, you like different football teams, but we are people in general. And if they liked what they saw, what did they see? That was my question to myself. And so I thought, well, it'd be real easy for us to just go, well, it was the first five verses, right? They saw people praying, they saw people eating, they saw people uh, being joyful together. That's what they saw. And that Could very well be it. I'm not saying that's not. But then here was my thought Could they have always seen them pray together? I don't walk down the street praying, do you? Were they necessarily always with them when they were eating? There weren't uh, restaurants on every corner, so they were probably eating at what? Their house. And could they have really seen all of that? So I kind of started debating it like, God, I I don't don't know that that's what they saw. What did they see that they liked? And here's what I felt the Lord tell me. They saw the secret of community. The secret of community. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. What is the secret of community? What if I told you this? The same secret that these people saw is the same secret Jesus tried to keep hidden. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 9. It's just one example of Jesus trying to keep hidden what I believe those people saw. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? This is Jesus talking to the blind man. Do you believe I'm able to give you sight? Do you believe this? To which he replied, Yes, Lord. I do. I do believe. Then he touched their eyes. Jesus touched their eyes and said, "According to your faith, let it be done to you." And their sight was what? Restored. So God healed them. Jesus prayed for them. They're healed. Now watch this. Jesus warned them sternly. You ever had somebody talk to you sternly before? Remember when you were like 8 and you did something you weren't supposed to do and your mom and dad would give you those looks? Did y'all forget those looks. Mom didn't even have to say anything, right? She could just give you a look, and you knew it meant instant death. Like, it was, just, it was just one of those looks. So Jesus warned them sternly. He didn't just say, hey, by the way. Sternly, he says, see that no one knows about this. Now explain this to me. If Jesus is wanting the power of God to get out, he wants people to know Jesus, he wants people to, to know God, then why heal them and then tell them sternly not to tell anybody? Have you ever liked anything and not told people about it? No. Every time you like something, you got to tell people. i got to tell you about this movie. i got to tell you about this restaurant. i got to tell you about this person. We we're so quick to go tell people. But Jesus wanted this to stay a secret. And I believe he wanted it to stay a secret because of this. He knew that if it got out, it would draw so much attention from people that he would no longer be able to go about his business and be impactful where he wanted to be impactful. And so I believe the very thing Jesus was wanting to hush was the same thing that the people in Acts 2 saw, and it has the ability to grow the church by number every day. What is it? Well, before I tell you what it is, I got to tell you a story. I got to set up this illustration because this is going to be a huge part of what we do today. So um, the very first time we ever visited Middle Tennessee to see if we wanted to start the church here... I have a buddy who planted a church about two or three years ago in a place called Bellevue. Are y'all familiar with Bellevue? It's about 45 minutes, an hour away from here. And so we visited, and the Saturday morning, we were going to go to church and see his church and different things. And the morning before, we wanted to go to breakfast, and we had heard about this place called the Loveless Cafe. Y'all heard about this place? This is one of those places where it's literally the hand of God. Like, you walk in, and everything they have. They have cream-style corn that'll make you slap your mom twice. Think about that, right? Right? And so we keep hearing about this place, and we were near it, so a bunch of the guys, we got up, and we went and we had breakfast there, and the very first thing I noticed is when you drive up, the wait was insane. And this is how you know a place is good, when it's like seven in the morning, and there's like an hour and a half wait for people to get in there and get eggs. Like, this place was good, and it, had, it was really big, and you kind of see some of it, it had this sign right here. And so we go in, and the next thing I noticed as we walk in is there's pictures all over the wall of celebrities who have visited I'm like, man, everybody's coming to this restaurant, and so the whole hour and a half we're waiting, I'm just reading pictures, and there's athletes, and then there's like country music singers, and, and politicians, and all these celebrities that have been to visit Loveless Cafe, and I've never been, so I'm getting high hopes, right? This is going to be a pretty awesome place, and I noticed on all of the pictures, it was signed like, love the biscuits, great, great biscuits, can't wait to get some more biscuits, and I'm like, where are these biscuits? Like, I don't know. I, everybody sells biscuits. I've had McDonald's biscuits. I've had Chick-fil-A's biscuits. I've had Bojangles biscuits. I've had my mama's biscuits. Like, I've had, the biscuits are everywhere. But according to all these celebrities, this is the place for biscuits. And so we waited like a whole hour and a half, and, and then we go and get seated, and they bring out the biscuits. How many of y'all been? How many of y'all been to Loveless Cafe? I bet you we're going we're gonna to flood that place today. So, they bring out these biscuits, and then they brought out butter and peach jam. <laughs> Y'all, I got slain in my chair. Y'all ever had peach cobbler? It tasted like peach cobbler. I put the peach jelly on the biscuit, and I just looked at the way and said, you don't need to bring me nothing else. Just bring me 37 plates of biscuits. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I need. And so I started doing some research and found out that Miss Anne Loveless came up with this recipe for biscuits. And it's so famous that they now make 10,000 biscuits a day. Can you imagine that? 10,000. People all over the world are coming to try a biscuit. They're not coming to see Mount Everest. They're not coming to be able to walk through some famous lake. They're coming for a biscuit. Not a steak. Not a croissant. <laughs> a biscuit. And so I'm talking to my friend the day. We had lunch together and just an incredible time. And we're talking about Loveless Cafe, because what else is there to talk about, right? And so we're talking about biscuits, and, and, and he, he's talking about how much he loves it. I'm talking about how much I love it. I'm like, why are we at this taco shop? Why didn't we go to Loveless? And, and, and so we're talking back and forth, and, and he's telling me how the last time he was there, he was talking to people who were next to him, and there were people from Canada. All I mean, just even people from Canada come to try biscuits. Like, it's crazy. And then he said, my wife loves to have a steak at Stony River. Y'all go to Stony River? I'm just promoting restaurants today. That's all. we're I'm just a commercial. We better start getting supported. That's all I can tell you. And, and so uh, he said, but you know, he, he said, what's interesting to me, and this, is where I, this is where God entered into the room. He said, what's interesting to me is that they have a great steak, but people aren't traveling all over the world to try their steak. I said, hmm, you're right. He said, but people are coming all over the world to try Miss Ann's Biscuits. And then he said this comment, couldn't shake it. He said, She has figured out her secret sauce. She's figured out what works for her. For her, it's the biscuit. People coming all over to see the biscuit. And so when I had that thought, and then I read Acts 2, and I said, What are those people seeing? What are they seeing that's causing people to come from all over the world to see it? What, what, what is the biscuit for community, right? What's the secret sauce of community? What would cause people to come around and say, I got to go there. I got to go there for this. What would it be? Anybody, any ideas? No thoughts? What, 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 what could be the secret sauce of community? Well, technically, that's my job, so I'll tell you. I'm reading Acts 4, because last week we talked about Acts 3, where Peter and John came and were used to be able to heal a man that was lame. And we talked about how they needed to carry him until his mentality caught up with his reality. And so we talked about that. And then when you continue into Acts 4, watch this. This is the continuation after that's happened. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And they had Peter and John brought before them and begin to question them. Okay? So they bring in Peter and John. You've healed somebody. You're in trouble. We're going to question you. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. So when they look at Peter and John, ain't like, nothing special about you? You caused all of this upheaval out over this healing, and you, you're ordinary and unschooled. I thought they were talking about me, you know? Like, you just, there's nothing special about you, and because of that, we're astonished to know that you have been with Jesus, And then I read this verse, and I've never read it like this before in my life. Watch this. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. Stuff has gone crazy. They're evaluating Peter and John. Nothing special about Peter and John. But they can't say anything because they, right beside Peter and John, they see The man who was healed. And they recognize him. They know him. They know he's the guy that's been sitting at the gate for years after years after years. And they cannot argue because they see evidence of the goodness of God. Hear me? They can't argue what's happening because they see evidence of the goodness of God. Listen to me. The secret sauce of community what brings community, what makes it successful, and what brings people together. You ready? Here's the secret. You ready? Big reveal. Pop. Here we go. You ready? It's you. What? Surprise. It's you. And let me explain. You are the difference that makes the difference. Okay? It's the story of God's goodness in your life. What makes community successful is when you step up and share what God is doing in and through you. You become the evidence of what God is. Listen, people can deny God all they want. People can struggle to believe all they want. But what they can't argue is your experience. And when they look at you and they know who you were and what you used to do, and they look at who you are now, they cannot find anything to say but God is good. I used to say this all the time. Um, obviously, you guys know Brian Hogwood, who was up here just a minute ago. Me and him went to high school together. I was actually talking to a lady outside in the lobby, and we were talking about what school I went to. went to Craigmont High School in Memphis, Tennessee, all right, it, it, it was where they raised future drug dealers and, and uh, j- jail connoisseurs. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it was not the best place. And me and Brian weren't the best examples, okay? I, I didn't get saved till probably 17, 18. He might get saved today. We'll see how service goes. And so, um, you know, was just one of those things. And we found out once the word got around years later that me and him both were in full time ministry. Craigmont became a, a gossip place. Like, like, who are you talking about? Brian and Troy with the tattoos? Like, those guys? They, they, they know Jesus? They're not in prison? Like, they're not stealing stuff from people? Like, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where they, they, look, they could deny God all they wanted to, but they couldn't deny what they were looking at right? They couldn't deny who they were seeing. It's like, I, I know you're ordinary, and I heard about the healing, but it's not that I need to believe. It's that I can see the man standing right in front of me, and so what becomes the secret sauce of community, listen, is your testimony. What God's done in and through you is your testimony, and here's what Revelation 12, 11 says, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of what? Our testimony, So the goodness of God in your life becomes the power in which you have to overcome the enemy. So listen, are you ready? Your testimony is your biscuit. Does it make sense? What is it about you that will cause people to come around and have to be around you? What is it? It's your testimony. It's what God's done in your life. It's the goodness of God. And when people come and taste the goodness of God, they're all of a sudden they have to keep coming back. What's happened at Loveless Cafe is somebody came in, sat down, and said, I heard about your biscuits. Can I taste your biscuits? And then they brought them the biscuits. And they left and said, those are some good biscuits. And the word traveled to where now they're having to make 10,000 of these little things. Y'all know how hard it is for me not to eat this right now? 10,000 of these things. What happens with a testimony is that somebody walks in and says, I heard about Jesus. I, I heard about Jesus. Can you tell me about him? And instead of sliding a slate of biscuits, you slide an individual who has been impacted by the goodness of God and they get to experience, they get to taste and experience the goodness of God and they walk out going, that's a good Jesus. And now they have to go tell everybody about him. And the growth happens. Did you know, if you looked up the, the Hebrew meaning of the word testimony, the word, okay, the Hebrew word for testimony is, let me try to see if I can say this right. It's martyria, martyria, okay? That's what the, the Hebrew word for, tes, uh, for testimony is. That word means evidence, evidence, all right? That word martyria it's from the root word, martyr. And we know what martyr means, to die. So if we were going to de- define testimony, it would be this, evidence of something that almost killed me. My testimony is the evidence of something that almost killed me. But because it didn't kill me and because I'm alive and moving and operating and walking, now I become a testimony to the goodness of God. This is why in John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, he, he interacts with her, and he ends up telling her about God and the goodness of God, and, and she ends up transforming her life, right? She says, he goes, you know, go ahead and get your husband, and she goes, well, I, ain't, I don't have a husband, uh, with me right now at this moment, and Jesus says, "You're right. You're thirsty. You know what I mean? Like you got you got four men, and you're with a dude now, and he ain't your husband either. Like you know, quit getting catfished. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to explain stuff to her, and 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 then here's what happens. So then, after she's impacted by him, watch what verse 39 says. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's what? Let's try this side, John. So Listen. Because of the woman's what? Testimony. So because the woman was able to walk into an environment and say, listen, I'm evidence of something that almost killed me. I'm evidence of lust. I'm evidence of something that almost killed me. And people never even saw Jesus. They saw her. They didn't need to see Jesus. They saw her. And the evidence of what had happened in her life can you imagine what she must have been like before Jesus? She walked into a room, people knew it was her. She walked in the room, batting eyes at every dude in the room. It's talking to Brian, sorry, ma'am. Can't be getting in trouble from the stage, you know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden, she's different. She walks different, she looks different, she acts different. Why? Because of Jesus. And when you have her impact, people don't need to see Jesus. They just need to see her. Because her testimony is evidence of the goodness of God. Then in Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes across this uh, demon possessed guy. And things have gotten so bad for him, listen to me, that his town, the area that they live in, has cast him out and chained him in a graveyard. They don't know what to do with him anymore. And Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus walks in, like, hey, I got a biscuit. Walks in the scene. Starts to impact his life. And then watch what verse 20 says. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and begin to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Once again, he's a walking testimony. So what happens? What what is it about community? When when we get together, when you and I and we get together, Something's happening. We go back to Acts chapter 2. Something's happening amongst these people that people in general like what they see. They like what they see. So, what is it? What's the biscuit that keeps bringing people back? What is that draw, right? What's that obsession? What's that connection? What keeps bringing people back? And I'm telling you, it's your testimony. Your biscuit is your testimony. Whatever God brought you through, right? Whatever God is bringing you through. There was a moment where I was addicted, but I'm not addicted anymore. My marriage was broken, but my marriage isn't broken anymore. My kid was running away from God. He's not running away from me anymore. The testimony of the goodness of God in my life becomes the very thing that draws people to me. Now, I've never done this before, but I'm going to come off stage. So this is going to be really interesting. I didn't tell Brian. I didn't tell anybody. So this is going to be just, Brian, I'm sorry, he's already having three heart attacks today. I don't want an excuse to eat that biscuit. Man, that's good. Hey, y'all talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Can't get a brother no jelly? A pastor of the church, you better give me some jelly. That's a mistake. Ah, There we go. so, you hold on to that. My wife's a vegan, so I want to give it to her. So, watch this. When I was youth pastoring in Memphis, this young man comes into the youth group and he gives his life to Jesus. Y'all might have heard me talk about him before he walked in, black trench coat, KFC bucket on his head. He's an interesting character. He was high as all get out. And he walked in and God sobered him up. And what he didn't do is he didn't go through theological seminary. He didn't get into Bible college. He just went right back into the life he lived, but he was changed. And so his testimony began to go in front of him. And everywhere he went, so come here. don't, Don't get up here. Let me grab you. All right. So come here. So everywhere he goes now just stay with me. Everywhere he goes, he impacts people's life because of what? Because of his testimony. So everywhere Scout goes, he walks into a room, he's telling people about his biscuit. I got to tell you about my biscuit. I got to share with you the story of my testimony, right? I got to be able to tell you what God's doing in my life. You just, you got to taste this biscuit, you don't understand. you got to taste this biscuit. The biscuit's so good. And people start getting their mouth watered. They're like, yo, i got to taste this biscuit. Where's that biscuit? And so Scout shares a testimony with them. And they taste it and go, man, that's a good biscuit, right? And so what happened recently, now we're going to talk to live stream. What happened recently was that Scout was working at Annie Ann's in the mall. And he starts sharing his biscuit, right? Starts sharing his biscuit. And, and where, 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 Ashley, where are you at? Don't don't try to duck out now. Where are you at? Come here. Run over here. All right, so hold on. Come over here. So Scout starts talking to Ashley. Grab, grab Scout's hand. There you go. So Scout starts talking to Ashley, and Ashley goes, man, that's some good biscuits. I got to be able to try them biscuits, right? And so tell me more about these biscuits. And so he continues to tell her more about Jesus, and so she comes to church, and she hears more about them biscuits, and then she gets to taste those biscuits, and she goes, man, them biscuits are so good, them biscuits are so good, I gotta tell everybody about these biscuits you know what she told me, recently? she said, I wanna start a small group where all my young adult friends can come and hear about these biscuits, you know what I'm saying, so they can just get a taste of these biscuits, so, so she continues to share, Just y'all doing alright she continues to share, and then recently alright, so because of her recipe and her biscuit, Miss Alicia, take your daughter's hand, here we go, alright, because of that biscuit guess what, now her mom starts to hear about what God's doing, you see what I'm saying now she's tasting the biscuits and now you're like, oh my goodness, these biscuits are so good. Oh my, we got to taste these biscuits. And now all of a sudden you start to see the testimony and the power of what happens when God starts using you, right? Because listen, the attraction of community isn't curriculum. And the attraction of community isn't football games. The attraction and the secret sauce to community is the testimony of God's goodness in your life. And so when people start to see the goodness of what God's done in your life, they go, oh Oh, I gotta taste them biscuits. And so then you gotta you gotta put them on a plate. You gotta show them. You gotta be able to give them an opportunity to taste the biscuits and what continues to roll and go. Come on, y'all straight. Come on, come on. Go so continue to roll and happen. And so it ends up looking like this. And and listen, listen, listen. Acts 2:47. The people in general liked what they saw. What did they see? this. They saw the attraction of testimony and the impact of God's goodness in their life and they saw for a second, take that, take that, take that. They got to see people's biscuits. So here's what happens when people start operating in the goodness that God's done in their life and they start sharing their testimony. They are working their biscuits. See what I'm saying? They're working their biscuit. That's what you did. You worked your biscuit. You, you, you came to find Jesus. You work your biscuit. And guess what? She's getting baptized this morning. Right? Because some biscuits got worked. Do me a favor. Look at the person right beside you. Look at them right now. Say, your testimony is your biscuit. Tell them. Tell them. Now look at the person on the other end that you don't like as much and say, your testimony is your biscuit. All right? Get ready. You ready? no now, now, now. Look. Same person you told that to. Look at them right now and say, you better. Look, don't be proper. This ain't Franklin. Okay? Smyrna, baby. Look at him and say, you better work your biscuit. Do it. Say, you better work your biscuit. What's the biscuit? It's the goodness of God in your life. Now, here's what I've learned about a testimony. It doesn't do me any good to keep telling you about it and never let you experience it, right? So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and give everybody a biscuit real quick. All right, so let's bring them in here. Let's let everybody be able to taste real quick the the goodness of God in this place real quick. Don't bite it yet. Don't bite it yet. (laughs) It's got my saliva on it. Jesus saliva brought sight back to people. She knows she won't eat my biscuit either though. Don't let her lie to you. Look. I think we do got some butter and jelly outside, just so you know in case you want to wait, but Hey, can I show you another verse before we stop? What you just experienced. Jimmy, don't eat all the biscuits, brother. We got church to do. Hey, listen to me, church. You literally just were a part of the best illustration of sharing your testimony you've ever seen. When you tell people about Jesus and then you give it to them. So let me show you a verse in Psalm. This is really in the Bible. Psalms 34, verse 8. Taste and see that he is good. Right? My biscuit is Jesus. And it's my responsibility to work my biscuit. And when I tell people about the goodness of God in my life, and then I give them an opportunity to taste and see that he is good. He is good. The secret to community is being able to work your biscuit. Listen to me. Your testimony, when used in the right venue, has the ability to change lives and make disciples. When we gather here over the next 13 weeks in the semesters of small groups, I'm sure we're going to study the Bible. I'm sure we're going to talk about sermons. I'm sure we're going to eat food. I'm sure we're going to do all these things that small groups do. But the best thing that's going to happen is when you begin to rub off on each other and you begin to say, hey, let me tell you about how God, how good God's been to me. And then you hear, let me rub up on here. Then you hear about how good, come on, keep touching me. Don't get away from me. Then, not like that. And then then you hear about, you start to hear about how good God was to her and how good God was to him. And this is how good God was to me. And I start, I'm just going to take your biscuit. And then you get into more community. How God, and I'm getting all the goodness of God. Don't try to get away from it. You all know, the goodness of God. Taste and see that he It's good. Hear me. If you don't hear nothing else I said today, hear this. Community needs you because it needs your testimony. It needs to know the goodness that God has been in your life. So the best way for me to leave that with you is you need to work your biscuit. I'm sitting there with my friend. Y'all can go ahead and walk off real quick. I won't hold you up. Miss Alicia, you know where to, you go that way, so you can get baptized. You go that way. Everybody go that way. go that way. Go that way. Go that way. Follow the guy with the mohawk. So I'm sitting there talking to my friend at lunch. We're talking about Ann Lovelace, and he says, "Man, she worked her biscuit." And when he said that, it was clear as day. I said, "My goodness." I saw him in the gym what Friday. I said, "Bro, that's still in my mind. She worked her biscuit." Do you know what would happen if Christians, Christ followers, those who have been who have been done good by God would start working their biscuit? Do you know what would happen? I'm gonna show you what happened. Acts 2, verse 47. Can you put that back up for me? Sorry, Miss Debbie. Very first verse. What happens when you and I start working our biscuit? What happens when you start operating in the goodness that God? What happens? Here's what happens. People in general will like what they see. But that's not where it ended. I thought that was interesting. Because wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't it be enough for us as Christians to be able to produce something that the world in general could see and like? That'd be enough. But it doesn't end that way. People in general would like what they would see, and every day the number grew as God added to those who were saved. Now, let me say this and I promise I'll walk off stage. Notice that does not say that God added to the church. It's not about people growing the church, it's about people being saved. People being saved. Your testimony, your biscuit, working the goodness of God in your life is about seeing souls saved for the kingdom of God. So you got a biscuit. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. How many of you say God's been good to me? Raise your hand. God's been good to me. So you got a biscuit. Now it's our responsibility to what? What? Let's try that one more time. Cause I know y'all gonna like this. We got a biscuit, and it's now our responsibility to what? Right, let's try it over here. We got a biscuit, and now it's my responsibility to what? All right, we're gonna do this together. Everybody, stand up. We're gonna do it one time together. Stand up. We're gonna get crunk in this place for a second. Sorry, that's an old Memphis word. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm 33 years old. What's the new word? Lit? What y'all, what y'all talking about now? Saucy? What is it? I made up one. Who's the youngest person in this room? Peacock. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, all right, here we go. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Here we go. I'm gonna say it, and you got to say it loud. Y'all know what y'all are saying? Work it. it. My wife just showed. Do it. Work it. We got our biscuit the goodness of God. He blessed us. He saved us. He healed us. He redirected us. He put our feet on solid ground. He is faithful. He is on time. He is purposeful. We have our biscuit, and it's our responsibility too. Lord, we thank you right now for who you are, your faithfulness, God. And I pray an anointing over every one of us. That you would give us that opportunity, Lord, in the gym, in the restaurant, in our household, at our job, to work our biscuit, God. To be able to talk about the goodness that you are in our life. And to lead people to a place where they want to taste the goodness of God. And Lord, when they want to, we can take them to Psalm 348 and say, taste and see that he is Good. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the goodness that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.